0: All right, we are back, and it turns out this week we're a little bit pressed for time. So what Mr. Miller and I have elected to do is dig out something from the archives. There are over 900 programs for listening pleasure available at radioparallax.com. One of our personal favorites, which I'm shocked to note we only aired once, was our interview many years back with the legendary Carol Channing. So what we plan to do is air that in its entirety. But since we know a lot of people will feel deprived if we don't do our good bad and ugly segments we will at this point add that to the mix have these items from the current edition of The Week magazine. I would note that last week it was a good week for Grift after a report surfaced that Donald Trump Jr.'s fiancée, Stephanie Grisham, got paid $60,000 from donated funds for introducing her boyfriend at President Trump's fateful rally on January 6th. And no, we don't know how long it took to introduce DJT Jr., So we can't tell you what that works out to in dollars per second. And it was a bad week last week for Overkill, with the news that after the funeral took place of an elderly woman who was killed by a wild elephant, that's in Odisha, India, well, the same animal returned to trample her corpse and disrupt the proceedings conservation lawyer Duncan McNair said the elephant's ability to recognize the body of its victim was proof of extraordinary cognitive abilities. And I guess that's true. And finally, it was an ugly week for comparisons. With the news that a Republican candidate for Congress from New York has now apologized for saying Adolf Hitler is, quote, the kind of leader we need today, unquote. In a recently surfaced 2021 podcast, Carl Paladino, age 75, called Hitler inspirational and a doer. Palladino now concedes that invoking Hitler was a serious mistake, but insists that any suggestion that he agrees with the Nazi leader would be a new low for the media. That's right. Blame the media.
1: square cut or pear-shaped, these rocks don't lose their shape, diamonds are a girl's best friend.
0: Our special guest today is a legend of the Broadway stage, the incomparable Carol Channing. Ms. Channing won a Tony in 1964 for her lead role in Hello Dolly, which ran for a record 2,844 performances. Hello, Dolly won 10 Tonys that season, a record which stood for 37 years. We'd like to note for our student listeners that the original Broadway cast album went to number one, knocking the Beatles off the top of the pop charts. Although many fine performers have played Dolly Levi, it is Carol Channing who defined the role and has redefined it over the years with over 5,000 performances. Dolly is far from the only role which has won her smash reviews. In the 1950s, she first lit up the stage as Lorelai Lee in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, a role which she has repeated over 3,000 times. If you go on the web, you'll find rave reviews written just one month ago for Carol's one-woman show, The First 80 Years Are the Hardest. In 1995, Carol Channing won a special Lifetime Tony Award for her work on Broadway. Currently... She and her husband, Harry Kalidjian, are planning a statewide campaign to support fine arts and performing arts programs. In that capacity, we hope to see her speaking and performing at numerous California State University campuses in the future. We are delighted to bring you this legend of the stage, Carol Channing, welcome to Radio Parallax.
1: Oh, thank you, Doug Everett. (laughs) Thank you. What a lovely introduction. (laughs) I never counted it all up. <laughs> I think you're just a dear to call me and, and then let me have this interview. It's uh, for the University of California Stanislaus. Yes. Do you know what it feels like? There were twelve thousand students, Doug Everett, uh, uh, graduating last year, uh-huh. and they all—I don't know where they had a yell leader—but everybody yelled, "Hello, Carol." <laughs> I was, so, I know, I was just thrilled to pieces.
0: And you've been granted an honorary doctorate. You're now actually Dr. Carol Channing, courtesy of CSU uh, Stanislaus.
1: Yes, and I tell everyone I make house calls, <laughs> and I do. Yes, I'm very proud of that too,
0: Ms. Ms. Channing. I'd like to start by mentioning uh, a fact that I think sort of captivated the nation: that after not seeing him for 70 years, you hooked up with your middle school sweetheart and married him in 2003.
1: We were separated for 70 years, but it was, let's see now, the last, uh, we were 12 and 13 when we went steady together. Harry was the leader of the school band, and I never got off the school auditorium stage, as you can imagine. (laughs) So we were very close. Then I ran for vice president. George Fenneman was also a president. Oh, we had a campaign slogan, if Carol's your vice, it's a
0: virtue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty good for 12.
1: Yeah, it certainly is, and it took all the whole band and Harry and me to, to figure that one out.
0: Ms. Channing, our listeners can find a, a great interview you did with Joseph Panarello, Panarello on the Internet. It, it mentions... um. That you had announced Mr. Blackwell's worst dress list, which caught my attention. Uh, we've chuckled over that list on our show many times. How did you get mixed up with Mr. Blackwell and his well-known list?
1: He's adorable, isn't he? You know, people beg Mr. Do- Blackwell to please put them on the list. <laughs> because I I never had such recognition.
0: Well, I think you were too well-dressed. <laughs>
1: maybe so but he said I was one of the worst dressed and what it means is you're I mean Elizabeth Taylor made the list mm-hmm. you know what it probably means is you' you're the most known
0: yes indeed
1: I mean I don't know
0: well I, I was amazed to note in researching for our talk today that you went 35 years without missing a stage performance you came out in a wheelchair once you broke both arms while performing you fell into the orchestra pit and and you're still performing now how, how do you how do you do it
1: I broke three ribs on, on falls in the orchestra pit and we had a, a ramp, uh, a, a runway in Hello Dolly and I kept falling off that and I fell into a dear, sweet, uh, laughing, fat lady's lap. It was, it was sheer providence and uh, I didn't hit the, the two arms on it at all and I'm desperate to get back up on the runway so I just seemed to bounce right back up again. Wow. Wow. Yes.
0: You, you also noted that you've given some of your best performances when you were sick.
1: Yes, that's the when you do your best. Have you noticed that? You do your best interviews and you do, y- you do your best writing and all that when you just can't possibly do it. It brings out the best in everybody.
0: Even a lifelong Christian scientist, does that help you sometimes in that regard of finding that energy?
1: I'm everybody's religion. Okay. Everybody's my parents were devout christian scientists and and they were i I just adored them, I thought they were wonderful you know there 's only one creator and and you know what I noticed when I was little, and I went backstage for the first time it it, I, I, it came over me. I looked at this theater and it was a dark theater, and my mother and I were delivering Christian science monitors and I was the dark theater there, and I thought. This is holy ground. I mean, this is a mosque, a synagogue, a temple, a mother church, a cathedral, this wonderful place. I was so little I couldn't open the stage door. And it came over me. And nobody else was backstage but my mother and me. And I just stood there and felt it. And I realized all we do... I didn't know I wanted to be in the theater then. I hadn't seen any show yet. But but all artists do is they recreate what was already created. Yes, indeed. All we do, so the, I'm sure artists believe in God. It makes life worth living.
0: Miss Channing, you told Liz Smith that uh, you were a drama and dance major when you were at Bennington College, but you left before you finished to seek work with a plan possibly to return after you got some experience in the real world. She noted that, that six decades later, you, you could still e- exercise that option, in which she replied that, um, well, you might if you, if you just can get enough experience in. Great line.
1: Uh, we're all crazy about Liz Coleman, the president, but really I am so honored by this honorary doctorate.
0: Let's talk about this. You're not going to go back to Bennington, but uh, you may be coming to the California State University system, which we mentioned in the intro. What do you and your husband see as the difficulties for California students who have an interest in fine arts or performing arts, and how do you you hope to reach those students?
1: They've told me I can come and lecture to them, I can do master classes. There are 23 divisions of the University of California. By the way, uh, the president told me that there was a, a unanimous vote for me and a standing ovation, and they don't haven't given that out for decades, Dr. of yeah. Fine Arts. But you know what? You asked me, how do you think you and your husband—it's the Channing Collegian Foundation. Okay. And I want to pass on— what I learned from five, way over five thousand performances, and also all the arts. But my husband is the—he's the businessman in the family, and all I do is the shows. This is Harry Collegian, my husband. Could you let him answer that question for you? How do we plan on reaching
2: the children?
0: Carol Channing's husband, Harry Collegian. Harry, welcome to Radio Parallax.
2: Thank you, Doug. It's great to be on the air. and You know, just thrilled to be doing what we're doing, being with young people. And this lecturing that Carol's talking about, uh, this is going to be... um, They're going to give her a license, uh, teaching teaching credentials uh, to teach in the universities throughout the state. But I think the key, the real key, is to get the communities surrounding the universities to get the people involved and and so that they too can know about all the arts, the fine arts. It's a marvelous, thrilling thing, and Carol's going to be doing this uh, the length and breadth of the state of California, and we're so excited.
0: We hope she'll come to Cal State University, Sacramento, and that we hope she'll also come across the causeway here and and, and perform here at UC Davis.
2: We live so close to you, uh, being in Modesto. Uh, and uh, so that would be the crown jewel, of course. And then being in San Francisco where Carol and I went to school. Right. Uh, great. And middle school, at Aptus Junior High School uh, in 1933. And uh, it's just great, Doug. And well, I, I appreciate very much the opportunity you've given to Carol uh, to talk about this. And I don't want to take the time away from the celebrity.
0: <laughs> well, good. I've got a few more questions for her. Uh,
2: okay. All right, Harry. Hang on. Thank you, Doug. Thanks. Okay, anyway. And,
1: oh, and we're contributing to, uh, to my foundation, to our foundation.
0: Well, I was intrigued, uh, uh, Miss Channing, talking about going around and, 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 and giving people some, some of the pearls of which you've learned from your long experience in the stage. You said something in the interview I thought was quite fascinating. You said you learned that on the stage, you must not react for the audience. If you laugh or cry, then the audience doesn't have to. Very intriguing.
1: Yes, they see, I, then I'm doing all the work. But they bought the tickets. They're the ones that bought the tickets so they can laugh and cry and applaud and throw things at you if they want to. You know, I mean, that, that's their privilege. And that's, we mustn't do it for them. We all cry over Joan of Arc because she never felt sorry for herself. We cry over, uh, what is that thing John Steinbeck wrote uh, during the Depression with that terrible drought and all that? Grapes of Wrath, yes. Grapes of Wrath. Oh, I cried over Henry Fonda because the dignity of the man. He never, he never gave in to being the, a member of the Depression. He wanted to keep going, and he couldn't because it was, it was oh, he, he, he just wiped me away. But that's what the way theater works. It works that way. He never cried for himself. He let me cry as a member of the audience. Interesting. It's like somebody laughing at his own joke.
0: <laughs> well, we're guilty of that on occasion on this program, but but oh well. We'll try and do better, Miss Miss Channing. C- can I throw out a few names for you just for some brief commentary? Oh, yes, sir. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the legendary producer and promoter David Merrick, who produced Hello Dolly?
1: Now, look, I adored him, and I know I'm the only one that did, probably. <laughs> <laughs> But I did, I adored him, and he'd come backstage and say, Wonderful woman, which is a line from Hello, Dolly. It's the last line Vandergelder says to Dolly. And he'd say, Where is she? And everybody warned me, Just just be learning your lines, Carol. Just, just keep your nose in your script and keep saying, Sorry, I'm learning my lines, and, keep it. And, and he'd say, Well, that's what I like, a diligent woman. But, my gosh, it was the third year of Hello, Dolly, and I was still learning my lines. <laughs> and then we went into the fifth year and it went, oh, it just went, and I was say, every time Mr. Mary came back, I still learned my lines. I adored the man. He, he made it clear to me that if I miss a show, the backers don't get paid back. The, the, everybody well, I knew that. I mean, you get much sicker at home in bed missing a show when everybody had to get a babysitter or most of them and, and drive in from everywhere and get all the way there and then you're not there. And the backers lose their profits for the next six weeks.
0: Yeah, that contributed to your excellent uh, attendance record.
1: Yes. yes, isn't that nice? Well, I did it. And you know what? I noticed that you give a little piece of yourself, of of what you understand about this character you're playing. Give a little piece of your soul to the audience and they give a little uh, appreciation back again. And this builds and builds like the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. And when you get off, still, every time I got off stage, I either felt better or the doctor said I was healing.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, someone? I was shocked to discover that Hello, Dolly! was written for Ethel Merman.
1: Oh, yes, uh, Jerry Herman keeps telling people that. He wrote it for Ethel Merman. And Ethel said, yeah, I turned that turn, uh, I turn that show down. <laughs> <laughs> she said, ah, it'll go nowhere. <laughs> I adored Ethel Merman, we all did.
0: How about your good friend and the, co- and, and the composer you just mentioned, Jerry Herman?
1: Oh, Jerry. I li- Well, Jerry was so young when he wrote the score, the words and the music, which is rare. I think Irving Berlin is the only one who wrote both the words and the music. <laughs> and he, he was so young that I had to lie about him and say he was older than he was so they would respect him. Now he's stuck with it. Everybody thinks he's older than he is.
0: <laughs> I guess uh, that uh, the director and choreographer, Gower Champion, uh, was the one that auditioned you for London Ear, gave you your first break. Is that true?
1: That's right. Marge Champion said, you better look at this girl. That's his wife. So, so he did. He said, well, I can give you... I can give you one minute because we're in the middle of rehearsal and I can leave the company for only one minute. And I said, well, I have 12 songs. You won't get my style unless I do all 12 numbers. And he looked and Marge just jumped right in and said, do Gertrude Lawrence. Do Ethel Waters. do You know, she kept yelling at me. Do Now do, uh, oh, just everybody. Ethel Merman.
0: So you did like seven seconds of each one?
1: No, what happened is he said, "Okay, what else have you got?" So I said, "Finally, I got to the twelfth number," and I and I said, "Well, I haven't got any more," and he said, "Okay, go back and start again." <laughs> so I did. I went back and started all over again. Oh, I did. B. Lily, everybody that was the reigning queen of Broadway.
0: And and you also were a co-star for some time with uh, with George Burns.
1: Yes, wasn't I lucky, George Burns? You know what, Doug? George Burns had dyslexia. He never told anybody. Really? Yes. And, you know, they're smarter than all of us put together because they have to reverse everything in order to answer you. You know, and they have to reverse what they read. And he wrote seven books and never read a book because it was too much trouble to reverse everything.
0: I'll be so, darned.
1: Yeah, so he had his secretary, but by gosh, George, because he had dyslexia, he had to feel, he had to go on animal instinct. And that's far more accurate than anything you can learn from anybody.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, about, about acting. Uh, what, what do you think makes for a, a good acting performance?
1: Gee, what penetrating questions you ask. Um, this, this, you know, you're like the students at University of California. They ask the most provocative questions. <laughs> what is the secret? Okay, how do you keep the show fresh is, is, is the equivalent of that. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. <laughs> well, anyway, put somebody in the audience in your imagination that you know understands you loves you, and can't wait to hear what this plot is all about. They can't wait to hear what you think this character is that you're playing. Mm -hmm. And you put, if if they love you, and you love them back again, and I tried it. And Noel Coward's the one that told me that. He came backstage at a little review called Lendonier. That was my first really good job in Los Angeles at a little theater. And Noel came back and got down on one knee, and he looked up at me, and he looked like the Grand Canyon in his face. It was was just uh, uh, years of training, and, and he went five different directions, and he said, look, Put me in your audience, love, and you'll see. When you feel you're losing the audience, they're not responding. Put me in your audience and you'll see it'll work. That's a good way to find out who your friends are. And I put—I had lunch with someone and I thought, oh, she's just fabulous. She's wonderful. We're getting along so well. I'm going to put her in the audience on the matinee, I thought. Huh. So I put her in the audience and it didn't work. I, I, I realized... I was crazy about her, but she wasn't crazy about me.
0: Interesting,
1: isn't that interesting? It, it is. Put somebody, and if it doesn't work, get off them fast and go back. My father's the best one for me to put in the audio. I'll be Now dirty. it's Harry.
0: I, I would like to note for the record, uh, Miss Channing, that I saw you in Hello, Dolly! in San Francisco around 1965. Uh, your your performance made a huge impression on me and it helped generate a lifelong love of the stage.
1: Oh, did it really? It really did. Oh, Doug, that's a great compliment.
0: It, it seemed to me, even when I was a kid, that you just, you, you're bringing something special to that role of Dolly. And, and, and I've read that, of course, you really love that character. And um, is that the key to it being so successful for you that you really you know, be able to get into her skin?
1: Yeah, You mean you have to love the character? Mm-hmm. If there's any criticism at all, suddenly they don't know who you're doing. They never met that kind of a person.
0: You feel they have to, they have to be able to relate to that, that character?
1: You have to be crazy about it. I even tell about it now in my show, my my one woman show, because uh, I am I, still in love with Hello Dolly the musical. Uh-huh. I'm still in love with it. I can't stop talking about it.
0: Well, are we going to get a chance to see your one woman show in Northern California? I, I see it's going to be on the East Coast this fall. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether whether Harry told you, but apparently you're they're expecting to see your show in Florida.
1: Yes, they do, <laughs> but Harry sometimes forgets to tell me. He books me. <laughs> well, he books me all over the place, but I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Oh, we we played Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Tasmania. Oh, dear. We went all over there. It's, it's, but I, the show changes, according to the audience, considerably, because I have to feel my way with them.
0: Are you going to record? Will there be a recording of this performance?
1: Well, I never thought of that. Well, I think I'd you like should to record the lectures and the, and the and the master classes that I do for the University of California. I'd like to do that because that's what I want to do. I want to give what I've learned to the younger generation, the new generation coming up.
0: Well, we hope that all of those those are filmed, and and I and I want to stress that because and and although I hate to mention this as a sore subject, but I think our younger listeners may not know about this. Viewers of film are stuck with barbara streisand in the movie version of hello dolly this is universally regarded as one of the epic miscastings in hollywood history it obviously should have been you
1: not only that they didn't make enough money to tear down the hello dolly set (laughs) they didn't the set is still up (laughs) and i go by and do a dance of death over it
0: (laughs) well is is there a filmed stage production of you in hello dolly and if not are you would you please make one Oh, all right, it'll be just for you. <laughs> I, uh, no, it'll be for
1: all of us. Well, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I'm not going to do it again, I don't
0: imagine. If no film stage production exists, a lot of people aren't lucky like myself to actually see you on stage. I hope that you will uh, do record a version.
1: All right, I'll tell
0: somebody that. Okay, well, tell Harry.
1: Uh, I'll tell Harry, and I'll also tell station KDVS, is that it? It is. I'll be on sacramento.
0: And Davis. Carol Channing, thank you so much for speaking with us. Oh,
1: Doug, it's a joy to talk to you.
0: Thank you. That about does it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. No relation to McMillan Audio, where you can hear Jeff Morley's Scorpion's Dance, the president, the spymaster, and Watergate. We want to thank Jeff Morley once again for speaking with us. And Carol Channing, wherever you are, We thank you again also. I'm Douglas Everett. This has been Radio Parallax. We'll see you again next week.
2: Hello,
1: Harry. Well, hello, Louis. It's so nice to be back home where I belong. You're looking swell. I can tell Danny You're still glowing You're still crowing You're still going strong I feel the room swaying For the band's playing One of my old favorite songs From way back when So that gap, fellas, find me an empty lap, fellas, darling, I'll never go away again.